Welcome to the SYA podcast, giving you teachings from the young adult ministry of Shepherd Church, where it is our mission to lift up Christ that the world might believe. We meet every Thursday at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. For more info, go to wearesya.com. Hey friends, so uh, this room isn't yellow anymore because the great and amazing Amy Frizzell has painted and it looks wonderful. So welcome to the gray and white room. Um, I want to tell you about the next few months for SYA. The plan uh, is to do an online sermon like this uh, one to two times a month. We're going to do um, a gathering on Zoom where we interview some amazing people. We're going to do that uh, once a month and beginning March 4th, we're going to have an in-person SYA service uh, once a month, and we'll give you more information on that in the next couple of weeks here on Instagram, uh, through texts and emails, and if you're not on, like, if you don't get texts and emails from us, please let us know so we can make sure and get uh, you on that list. But for these, uh, these online sermons like this, what I simply want to do for the next few months is look at some of my favorite encounters that Jesus had with some people in the Gospels, people like you, people like me. And there are a lot of ways to summarize the life and story of Jesus. And one of those ways is that he came to wake us up to help us see. And once you see spiritually, you can't unsee, right? And so I want to show you the first recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Starting in John chapter 1, verse 38, he, he says these words, or actually asks this question. He says, what do you want? But it's the second words that Jesus says that I think opens up like whole, a whole new world. But I'm already ahead of myself. So let me tell you a little bit what's going on here at the very beginning of the Gospel of John. You have John the Baptist. That's not the same John that wrote this Gospel. John the Baptist, he had a lot of disciples, and he was a prophet, and he was saying that the Messiah, the Jewish Savior, was coming. And then he points to Jesus and says, that's him, that's the Messiah. And two disciples of John the Baptist, a guy named Andrew, who uh, isn't as known as some of the other apostles, but Andrew was the younger brother of the disciple Peter, right? So there's Andrew, and then there's John, the guy that write or wrote this gospel. They're followers of John the Baptist. They, when John the Baptist says, there, Jesus, that's the Messiah, Andrew and John begin to literally follow Jesus, like walk behind him. They were hoping to become Jesus's disciple. And Jesus, in John chapter 1, verse 38, he turns around and he says, what do you want? And they ask, uh, where are you going? I think they hoped for like a longer conversation. They wanted to spend some time with them. Like, where are you going? Can we walk with you? And Jesus's reply, the, the second recorded phrase of Jesus in the Gospel of John, now don't miss this. He says, come and see. Come and see. This invitation, which makes me think of a question I should ask you and ask myself. What is it that you want from Jesus? What do you expect that you'll find from spending time with him? In John chapter 1, verse 43, just, you know, like a few sentences later, maybe a few moments later in his life, Jesus calls a young man named Philip 
to be his disciple. And Philip goes and tells his friend Nathaniel. And Philip tells Nathaniel, he says, we have found the one that Moses and the prophets had written about. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathaniel hears this and he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Right? He's a skeptic. And Philip says, now don't miss this again. This is in John chapter 1, verse 46. Philip says, well, Nathaniel, come and see for yourself. So Jesus ends up meeting Nathaniel, and he ends up, Jesus ends up telling Nathaniel something that no normal person could have known, and he kind of freaks Nathaniel out, and Nathaniel says, you really are the Messiah. And then in verse 50, Jesus says, you believe that because of something I said that amazed you, but you're going to see even greater things. So what is it that you want from Jesus? Like, what do you expect that you will find? Do you hope that Jesus fulfills all of your like deepest desires or do you expect that he will become your greatest desire? It's ironic, I think, that if most of us, if we're honest, we run after all the things that have been created by God far more than the source that actually thought all those things up, right? John chapter 6, a couple years after these, uh, these stories I've just told you about. John chapter 6, it's Jesus's fourth miracle recorded in the Gospel of John. He feeds over 5,000 people. And the crowds that he fed, they end up finding him later. And he calls them out. Uh, John chapter 6, uh, verse 26, he says, You've come to me not because of a sign that points to faith in me. You, you're coming to me because... I gave you food and you ate a lot of it. And this is where many people find themselves, right? Like a desire for God to be a genie, to feed us the wishes and the dreams of our heart. And we see the food as the food as what God can provide. But Jesus in this story in John chapter six, he draws a line in the proverbial sand and he says, listen, I'm actually the food, like the food that matters. He says in John chapter six, verse 48, He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the light of the world. Now, Jesus gets kind of funky, right? And it's amazing. Like people think Jesus is being uh, metaphorical here, right? But he doesn't tell anybody that. And people are like, are you crazy? Is he telling us to like actually eat his flesh and drink his blood? And he doesn't stop them. He lets them think what they want. And all kinds of people leave, and you need to read the rest of that story. It's amazing. But for our point right now, I want you to think with me about something. John chapter 1, Jesus begins with an invitation, right? His second phrase recorded, come and see. And then he gives a promise, right, to Nathaniel. He says, you're going to see even greater things. And then he seems to, in, in John chapter 6, he seems to bring it to a crescendo, He said, like, you want the great things that you think I can provide, but listen, you've missed it. I am the great thing. The great awakening of faith or of faith sight. It's not miracles or healings or finding a calling, right? Or even sorting it all out intellectually so you can have answers and and you can belong to the right way of thinking or the right tribe, like none of that is what faith sight is all about. The great awakening of seeing Jesus for 
who he really is, for who the resurrection reveals him to actually be, the Great Awakening is that the source and nourishment behind the whole thing is Jesus and that he's the thing, right? And a lot of people accept the invitation, Jesus's invitation to come and see. But after a glimpse, we often settle for religious systems or even like modes of thinking that end up insulating us from God's big and broken world. And we miss so much of the wonder that is already there all of the time. Now, if you've been around me for a while, you've heard me uh, quote uh, this poet, Elizabeth Browning. She wrote, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only the one who sees takes off their shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. Knowing Jesus doesn't always make sense. I, I would argue that knowing Jesus never makes sense of everything, because knowing Jesus is often framed by messy metaphors and tainted experiences, but only the one who sees takes off their shoes, acknowledging that the whole thing is this divine bush on fire. The whole thing is a miracle. The whole thing is this wonderful mystery. And the whole thing has been touched and breathed into by Jesus. But there is work in seeing it all as a divine gift, like work to not be so overwhelmed by the beauty of the light and miss the source. Because like all that God has created, there's so much good, you know, in relationships and just in nature itself. There's so much good, but you don't want to be so overwhelmed by all the beautiful, wonderful things that God has created that you miss the very source of God, of Christ himself. So Jesus entered into it all. He claimed that he himself is the real bread, that he is the nourishment, the juice, the light for the soul, and that once you see, you can't unsee. And I could go on and on. And here's just an example, just from the gospel of John. John chapter three, verse three, Jesus tells a religious leader named Nicodemus, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born new from above, from God's spirit. John chapter four, verse 29, Jesus has this amazing conversation with a sinful Samaritan woman. And he says to her, come, or excuse me, she says to all of her friends, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Come and see. John chapter nine, a man who had been born blind, but was healed by Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're all kind of kinds of mad, right? Because they hate Jesus and they're demanding that, that this man admits that Jesus is a sinner. And this man says, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. What I know is I was blind and now because of Jesus, I can see. John chapter 11, Jesus shows up after a man named Lazarus dies and he asks, where have you put him, Lazarus? And they replied, come and see, Lord. Which makes me think in a metaphorical sense, what possible new worlds could exist if we were to invite Jesus into our dead, dark spaces? And one more example, John chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus rises from the dead and many of his disciples see him and they tell Thomas, who wasn't there earlier, they say, we've seen the Lord, but Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks, I will not believe and Jesus appears later. And he says, Thomas, see my hands, believe 
And he said, and Thomas does believe. And Jesus says, because you've seen, you believe, but more blessed are those who have not seen with their physical eyes, and yet they still believe. I've told my personal story of not knowing Jesus, uh, but experiencing dark, demonic things. 17 years old, alone, half drunk in my room, calling out, Jesus, if you're real, help me, I think I'm going to die. And he did, right? The images, the physical choking, the voices, they all left immediately. And then I experienced what I believe was his presence. It was massive and fully loving, but also so frightening. And I lasted just seconds and I ran out of my room and ultimately I was baptized in my bathtub uh, by my father, right? I've told that story lots of times, lots of times. And I'd gotten a glimpse that night of the light of Jesus. But there's a story that I don't, I don't tell as often. And it's that a week after my dad baptized me in our bathtub that night, a week later, I went out, I got very drunk, and I did all manner of unspeakable things. And later on that night at home, alone in that same bathroom, my head spinning, I was sick at my stomach physically and emotionally. And I was looking in the mirror the, the week before I had cried out in fear, but I, I had made little decision, right, other than just being baptized that night. And I had like maybe this foggy desire to live better. But a week later, as I stood in that bathroom, uh, intoxicated, looking in the mirror, I then made vows to myself and to the one who had rescued me. And I don't remember all the details of my hazy and intoxicated thoughts, but after that night, I was different. Uh, I found a church that had invited me personally more than a year before, actually, uh, by the man who would eventually uh, mentor me and teach me how to pray. You're actually going to meet him next week if you come on to the Zoom gathering next week. Uh, next week I'm going to interview uh, him, Rob, and his beautiful wife, Shannon. But as I began to go to church, I, I began to actually get to know the very Jesus who had rescued me a week before. So a week before, I'd called out on Jesus in very real fright. And I'd been snatched out of the darkness, right? Experiencing the light and a brief moment of his presence. But somehow, a week later, I was able to slither back into my own corruption. But even in that dark place, I couldn't shake ultimately what I had seen spiritually. Once you see, you you can try to like ignore the light and sneak back from where you came, but I don't think you can shake it completely because once you see spiritually, you can't unsee. And from the beginning to his first followers, Jesus's call wasn't like, just believe me, that would come later. And it was, it was never this cultish mind control or a slick and captivating, get rich, get healthy, quick sales pitch. Jesus's invitation was come and see for yourself. And he still offers that same invitation. And, and if you say yes, like he's not going to stop there. He will demand allegiance ultimately. But why wouldn't he, right? If he is indeed who he claimed to be, saying yes to his invitation changes everything. The way I want to end is just by offering you a couple of uh, my breathing prayers. Like These are just simple prayers that I came up with. Two short phrases each. The first one you whisper or just think in your mind as you inhale, as you breathe in. And then you say or think the second one as you exhale, as you breathe out. 
So here's, here's a, a few that you can try. The first one I simply call prayer for perspective. It's based on John chapter 3, verse 3, and John chapter 3, verse 8, and Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, and Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. That's just kind of where uh, the idea came from. You can read those. But on the inhale, and I'm not going to be able to do this because as I talk, it's hard to like breathe in, breathe out. But on the inhale, you, you simply whisper or thank Spirit of the living God. So you just breathe in and thank that Spirit of the living God. And on the exhale, help me see clearly today. So Spirit of the living God, help me see clearly today. Spirit of the living God. Help me see clearly today. A simple prayer for perspective. Or you could do this one. I call it a prayer of choice because faith really is a choice. This is based on John chapter 6, what we read from earlier, verses 30 through 69, and Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 20. On the inhale, I'm going to do this for the inhale and this for the exhale, okay? On the inhale. Lord Jesus, in clarity or confusion, I choose you today. Lord Jesus, in clarity or confusion, I choose you today. It's a prayer of choice. And here's the last one I'll give you. This one's based on Jesus' first two phrases recorded in John that we started the sermon with. What do you want? And then come and see. So this breathing prayer, I'll just call it a prayer to come and see. And I even made this one a rhyme. <laughs> uh, hopefully that helps just to be able to remember it. But on the inhale, Lord Jesus, today may it be true that what I want to see is you. Lord Jesus, today may it be true that what I want to see is you. Lord Jesus, today may it be true that what I want to see is you. And you can add whatever you want to that. Maybe it's Lord Jesus today. May it be true that what I want to see most is you. I actually like that better. Lord Jesus, today may it be true that what I want to see most is you. Lord Jesus, today may it be true that what I want to see most is you. Well, thanks for helping me uh, change that last one and make it even better. So as you consider Jesus's invitation to consider what you want and to come and see, my hope for you, my hope for me is that we gain perspective and that we'll choose Jesus. And in doing so, that we will see it all filtered, the whole thing, all of life, ourselves, God, and others that we will see it all filtered through the love and truth of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the SYA podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at wearesya.